Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. In this episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast, I'm excited to introduce to you two brothers, Sam and Joe, both students of mine who are absolutely crushing it in a niche that honestly is really surprising that anybody could do this well online. And that niche, 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 I I interchange those, but these guys, they're from England, so I gotta go niche today. Textileartist.org. Textile art. Do you even know what that is? That That's art using fabric and thread and string and making these cool creations. And who knew that this kind of business could do so well online and it couldn't have happened to a better family, to be honest. And what's really cool is they have a story about how they did this for their mom and how they got the whole family involved. And it's one to pay attention to, an amazing success story. And it really just shows that with enough experimentation, because some of their first ideas completely bombed, didn't work, but we'll see how they landed on textileartist.org, what they've done to monetize it, and how they've took that monetization strategy to a completely new level, to a point where I, I, I'm baffled. And you're gonna have to listen to pay attention to see just how successful things are going for them right now. It's amazing. You're gonna love it. Sweet story to go behind it. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he still gets nervous before hitting record, Pat Flynn. What's up, y'all? Welcome in. Thank you so much for joining me today in session 445 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And this is this is one of those episodes that I know once you listen all the way through, it's gonna be a classic, like episode 122 with Shane and Jocelyn Sams. Two people, two success stories within a family that continue to get talked about today. And Shane and Jocelyn have become favorites here, and Sam and Joe will become favorites here too. We're gonna hear their story about how they built their business for their mom and together are crushing the textile artist world. Staying very genuine, but taking it by storm. Here we go. Sam and Joe, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, Pat, I can't believe we're here, to be honest. Um, It's slightly surreal. You've accompanied me on many, many a car journey. We've been listening to your podcast, I think, pretty much since day one. So it's amazing to be here 
And as I say, slightly surreal. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm excited because I know there's a lot of people who are listening to the show and are hoping to come on the show one day. And I love to feature success stories who come from previous podcast listeners. And now you guys have this amazing business. Your mom is involved. And I want to unpack how this all really started. But Sam, why don't you give us a little bit, we'll start with you, of an origin story of how you got to the business that you have today. Yeah, well, actually, funnily enough, just going on from what Joe was talking about there, you know, I think it was in the sort of summer of 2011-ish, I think. And I would get these phone calls from Joe, sometimes in the morning on his drive to work, and then sometimes again in the evening, he would, which would be, dude, you've got to listen to this podcast with SPI. <laughs> Along the same sort of time as we were listening to SPI and getting all these ideas about creating a business, we were trying all these different crazy ideas. And along the, the sort of same time, a mum who had uh, come back to, to creating art after like a 30-year break away had, had started to make build this real reputation as a textile artist within the UK textile art world. And so we were kind of going to see all these amazing artists and see all these great artwork in mum's exhibitions, but it still hadn't really occurred to us that this was something that um, we could do as a, as a business, something that would work on in the online space because, you know, textile art is very much seen as um, something that's, that's uh, very much offline, you know, like there's a lot of in-person workshops, there's a lot of in-person exhibitions and a lot of in-person events. Almost like it wouldn't be the same if it was online. Like the art doesn't speak the same. The experiences don't sort of match up like they do in person. Well, yeah, because it's a, it's a really kind of uh, tactile medium. And there's a real belief that you kind of have to see it in the flesh, which, you know, which is true. But what's the kind of second best thing is if you can't get to see it in the flesh, you know, to see it online is, is a kind of a great replacement for that we realized that it was massively kind of underserved online. And so, I, you know, I remember ringing my mum up going, mum, look, I think this, you know, all this stuff that we've been learning about could really work for your art. I think you should make a textile art website. Bearing in mind, you know, mum was sort of close to 60 or at that time she was like, I, don't, I wouldn't know, you know, where to begin. And you guys have been learning about this stuff. So, so you know, why don't you do it? You know, after that, we kind of asked mum to get in touch with a handful of her friends, artists that she knew, sent out a bunch of questions. And actually, you know, uh, again, we watched a, a video of yours that was like, uh, make a WordPress site in 15 minutes or something along those lines. And that's kind of how we made the first version of the website and hit publish. And that was kind of, kind of it, really. Yeah. That's crazy. Can you explain for everybody listening? Joe, I'll go to you. What is exactly textile art. And, and I know this is something that uh, your mom was very involved with, meant much of her life. And now to bring it online, I think we want to provide context for what exactly that is, if you can. Sure. I mean, I think the easiest definition is a comparison, really. If you think of um, a painter uses paint and canvas to create their art and um, a sculptor uses clay in their hands, a textile artist is using fabric and thread to create textile art in its simplest form. Everyone knows, you know, the Mona Lisa. And if you can imagine that painting made with fabric and thread rather than paint, you're getting somewhere close to what a piece of textile art would be. But I think what I'd like to add is that one of the issues when you're trying to describe textile art, which I probably should say is known as um, fibre art in the US and in lots of other parts of the world too, 
But one of the issues is that um, it encompasses a really wide and very eclectic range of techniques and processes and mediums. There are artists making beautifully intricate miniature stitched work, and then there are artists creating huge installations on the side of buildings. Lots of textile artists are also working in mixed media, like like Mum, who creates uh, who creates mainly figurative work, but does incorporate paint and pencil and uh, lots of different things into her art. And so, yeah, that's that's how I would define textile art. Great. So textileartist.org is the website. And you go there, it's a blog, there's a lot of articles about certain artists and a lot of uh, this artwork you can see that we're, we're, we're talking about. And I also see you have something called the Stitch Club and online courses. And this is a this is a real business. And I definitely want to dive into that. But but Joe, maybe you can continue on Sam's story about the start of all this, you set up this blog, what were some of the first things you did in I love to help uh, the audience gauge, like, when did this actually start to take off or even seem like it was possible that this could turn into something more than just, you know, another one of those things we start and just kind of experiment with and maybe move on from? Well, I think it's been a long road. As Sam said, it was back in 2011 that the, the kind of seed of the idea was um, was born, really. And then from there, we've tried lots of, lots of different things. Um, I think it's fair to say it took us a while to know who the site was for. And I think we spent a lot of time at the beginning with that kind of naive notion of build it and they will come. And of course, a lot of the early things that we did, we built and they didn't come. I think to begin with, we thought the site was for people who admired textile art and possibly wanted to buy textile art. So we even talked about making an online gallery where you you could purchase artwork from different artists. And then I think we made a few misguided assumptions along the way, and we imposed our own goals, I think, on our audience a bit. We, we wanted to take what was essentially a passion of mums and now a passion of ours and turn that into a business. And I think we assumed that the people who were creating art or making art wanted to turn their passion into a business as well. And the truth is, although we well, I should... Uh, make a distinction. There are some amazing artists, professional artists that we work with who absolutely are making a living from their art. The majority of our community are actually people who just love the process of making textile art and what that gives them. Um, and so, uh, you know, along the way, we, we've, we've taken all of these kind of different paths. Um, and eventually, a few years ago, we took the plunge and decided we were going to make our first online course. Once we'd got to know our kind of audience a bit and knew that actually they would love to learn from someone like mum, who is very passionate, very skilled, and uh, and to give them the opportunity to share in her expertise uh, was something that we felt that we should facilitate. Um, and so that's when we, when we started developing the first online course with mum. That's great. Thank you for that. Sam, can you speak to how did you eventually find out who your audience was? What, was there any specific thing or, or, or method or, or strategy that you did to finally discover who your audience was? Because that's obviously the most important thing before you create anything to sell is just who, who are they? How did, how did you find out who they were eventually? As we were making these products, I think that we made a little step further along the line of to find out more about the audience. But actually, 
it's funny you should say that again because it brings it back to an episode of SBI that we listened to with um, Ryan Levesque, I think. And it was a revelation to us to survey the audience. You know, we, I think we'd spent like six months making this a, this really beautiful ebook after we kind of realized that, you know, they, w- they wanted to learn how to, to more about the processes of making art. We'd spent all this time making this ebook. And, you know, again, it was a relative success, uh, success but it really wasn't ever going to make a business, you know, selling uh, these books that were taking such a long time to produce. And I think at the end of that, we were like, oh, what, you know, we know we want to make this online course, but we sent out these surveys and we started to get back this kind of more detailed descriptions about all the audience's struggles and their kind of their hopes, I guess, and, and dreams. And obviously, you know, we, we also started to have phone conversations with them, which again, kind of deepened our, our relationships with our audience. And yeah, I think, you know, that was really the sort of key for us to kind of find out more about who our audience were or who the the people in the community were. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And and a big shout out again to Ryan Levesque, author of the book Ask, which I can't remember what episode number that was, but reading that book was a big revelation for me and my business as well. Um, and, And it just makes sense when you think about it now. It's like, oh yeah, ask what they want, but we don't do that often. I don't know why, but then, you know, this is what I've been trying to teach and will it fly and my other courses and such. So thank you for, for mentioning that and phone conversations. I mean, what a beautiful way to literally have a direct connection with who it is you're serving and you can think about them when you are creating. It's not just a made up avatar anymore. It's, you know, they have names, they have real struggles and challenges and you can consider them when you are creating. Joe, when it came to, okay, we have this idea now for an online course how did you know what the course was going to be about? And tell me kind of the, the creation of it and what that was like. Well, we took our lead again from mum and her work, but also from what we'd learned from the survey. So it, I think myself and Sam were definitely, as I, as I mentioned, the facilitators of this conversation between mum and the community. And we discovered that lots of the community were doing lots of different workshops in lots of different techniques. And some of them, now there there are people at different stages of their kind of creative journey within our community. Um, And I think, you know, we'll go on to this hopefully later, but, you know, the Stitch Club, I think, serves a different set of people. But the courses, I think what we've learned was there were these people who were, as I say, trying out lots of different techniques engaging in lots of different processes, but actually struggling to find their own visual vocabulary, their own pathway through creating textile art that felt really personal to them and and could express their own kind of voice. And mum, having, you know, worked tirelessly over the last few years at this point to find her own voice and develop her own voice was pretty much an expert in this area in using quite simple techniques, quite simple traditional hand stitch techniques in a really inventive way. So the first course, Exploring Texture and Pattern, is all about that, really. It's all about taking uh, what a, a handful of simple traditional techniques and using them to express yourself creatively in a really, uh, in a really kind of contemporary, interesting way. What was the, the price point of that course when you launched it? Do you remember? I think the first time we launched it, it was £250. I'm not sure what that translates to in, in dollars. So it's, it's, not, it's not one of these 
cheapo $27 things. It's, it's, it's a high value, but it's what your mom has learned and what she has created and everything within her put into this for others. And they're saving themselves time. And that's very valuable. I'm curious, Sam, like in terms of how your mom is involved in all this, how responsive was she was she when you're like, we're going to do an online course where we need you to film these videos and like, like how, how was she? Because she's being a little bit older. A lot of people of that age aren't really receptive to, well, I don't want to get behind the camera and, you know, the technology stuff, uh, you know, can't you just write about it or something? How, how did she reply to this idea? I think she was pretty enthusiastic about it, to be honest with you. I think that she didn't fully understand how it would work, but I think she trusted us and, uh, and kind of went along with, yeah, went along for the ride, really, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. And, and I, I wish I could meet her at some point because for those of you listening, uh, Joe and Sam are in my accelerator program and we talk quite a bit about their journey and their process and their business moving forward. And they've just done so many amazing things. And we're going to unpack more of that in just a minute. But I still want to go into this first online course. So Sam, tell me what it was like to, after the course was created, mom's videos, you figure out the tech for how to sell this thing. It's very difficult sometimes for us online creators to sell for the first time, especially after giving away information for free and, and for providing value for a long time. And I know you had these eBooks and such as well, but that's, this is a significant price point. How was the response? How were your feelings? Like, I want to know what that day was like for you when you when you launched that and, and how, like, what was the marketing behind it? I mean, it was a really long, drawn out process. So <laughs> I think by the end, we were just like, right, we've got to get this done. We've got to get it finished. So it was actually quite high pressure, I think. Had we thought about it too much at the time, I think we probably would have procrastinated even longer, you know, about getting it out there. I think we definitely felt uncomfortable selling to begin with. You know, once we'd seen the value and the impact, I think, the online course was really the first time we'd seen this kind of real impact within the, the audience that we could have this kind of positive, you know, even to some points, life-changing for uh, some of the students on the course. So I think once we'd learned the value and what mum's teaching and what the actual creative challenges within the course could do for people, I think, yeah, we became a lot more comfortable with it. But yeah, it was uh, it was an exciting time definitely and, and actually we couldn't believe the response you know it was one of those times as well where we also saw the first kind of real I think like significant earnings coming in significant <laughs> earnings, but also like yeah the the response of the audience as well or the, the community was something we hadn't felt before we'd really I think hit upon something that really served a significant benefit to people in the in in the, our community so that's cool jo, joe can you or are you able to share sort of how well it, it did and also perhaps a little bit more detail on how it was promoted to the audience that, that you had built sure i mean just picking up on what sam said you know i think at that point because we'd given so much away for free for years which i think is is, is significant People were actually saying to us, thank God you're, you're, you know, you're, you've released this product. We want to give back. We want to get involved. So I think that that's one thing. But I think going back to um, your question, the way that we promoted the course to begin with is that we followed the Jeff Walker uh, PLF launch style. So we released these three videos and a sales video 
and mum was teaching in these videos and leading that leading the community up to the sort of the course and in terms of what the course was offering sort of teasing that in a way with these exercises that were related to the course and getting people into the mindset of doing a lot with a little as I said you know using these kind of handful of techniques to to really kind of find your artistic creative voice we had dabbled with that with that technique for selling before because we had worked with a couple of artists as affiliates uh, prior to that but this was the first time that I think we did it really well I think the this first you know that this launch of this course with mum I felt like we'd we knew the audience pretty well by this point so we could speak to them exactly where they were at I think um, which meant that the first time we released it I think we got about 400 students joined that course the first time which was absolutely crazy yeah so what was the reaction from mum with with the success of the course I just don't think she could believe it really I don't <laughs> think she could believe that it, it was it was happening and also what was what was crazy was I mean since then mum has been flying all up since before the p- pandemic mum was flying around you know all over the world teaching workshops and you know giving talks but I don't think she'd ever felt like she'd reached as many people because we had students in Australia and students in America and students in Europe you know and I think she found all of that very very exciting and she loves I mean she loves the conversation she has with the students she loves that personal interaction and and giving feedback so I think you know she was really in her element, having these conversations online with with people that she never met, but who had who felt like they knew her, you know, that's really cool. So, Sam, I want to ask you about okay, after this initial launch, was it a, a launch that sort of had an end date to it and kind of closed, and then you work with those students, or was it a course that was sort of like open for good at that point? So, for founding members of that. Well, founding students for, for exploring texture and pattern, we we actually did lifetime access to course so they would get updates. You know, anytime that we did a new release or a new version, they would get that update. Um, but the, the, the kind of, I think we did like uh, a week-long cart open period and then we closed the, the cart. And then, you know, generally, I think p- students tend to finish the course within two to three months, but you, we can have students that keep coming back every time we do a new version of that. Because one of the things that we've learned about textile art and kind of the benefits for people beyond kind of creative fulfillment is that there's also this kind of meditative quality to it where people talk about it as a form of self-care, you know, and so it is the sort of thing that people keep, can keep coming back to and redoing the exercises time and time again. After that, we kind of, I think we did another launch maybe six months after afterwards, uh, and we would give one year's membership to, to all subsequent students. Cool. And, and, and then how long were you going this sort of like six month sequence? Because this was the only big product that you had and it was open, let people in, close and then open again and let people in and close. And, and, and I know from my own experience, that kind of business model, although it works, it's tough to not see new income come in for that long. And then it puts even more pressure on, on the next launch. And it always, you know, I, I know that it gets in a lot of people's heads, oh, I hope this next one's going to be better. What if, what if this one flops and that one was a flash in the pan and it, it can get kind of crazy. What, how, how long were you going in that sequence? And did you ever start to 
either doubt or feel struggle during that time of re-releasing, reopening, reclosing? I mean, as amazing as it is to kind of have such a great launch for us, when you're waiting six months at a time for then more income to come in, it can actually, it makes it feel like every single launch is really make or break for the business. Because if you have a failure and it, it, it doesn't do as well as you as you intend or you'd like to, then you're waiting, you know, it could be a year before you see any other significant income come in. So we were always trying to think to ourselves, you know, how can we make this into a slightly more sustainable model that isn't make or break every single time? It did make the launches every single time stressful, but really fortunate enough that um, people in our audience and within the community were really responsive to what we were doing. So actually, you know, every time we did a launch, we were still accepting in 200 to 300 new students at a time. It's a brilliant feeling, obviously, to have people that you know you're making a, a significant impact uh, on in their lives. But at the same time, it was it's, it was quite stressful in the sort of lead up always to it. And so, Joe, were there any conversations between you? And, by, by the way, but are, are you and Sam front facing on the blog or is it just mom and you're kind of behind the scenes like do you guys show up are you in the courses like how, how much are you both of you involved well um in, in that first version of the course we were very involved we were very much you know the, the face of the business with mum because i think one of the things that people relate to is the story and the fact that we're a family and also it's important to us that we are, you know, supporting mum, that she's not out there on her own, that we are kind of helping her every step of the way. Because although she's brilliant at what she does, lots of the kind of technical aspects and the other parts of the business, you know, myself and Sam are, are perhaps slightly more equipped to, to handle handle that stuff. But also, as I say, I think that the mum's story and the way that she came back to textile art, because uh, I, I don't know whether we've mentioned this, but mum went away from textile for a long time you know so she learned to stitch when she was a girl and then studied textile art and fashion at college but then through running a business and raising a family she she went away from that and came back to it years later and I think the audience really relates to that story and the fact that me and Sam were there to to support mum during that time. In, in regards to having six months in between each of these launches and having each launch feel so serious, what, what kinds of discussions were you guys having to help sort of fix this? Were you attempting to potentially put this on Evergreen at any point or come up with other products? Like, Joe, can you speak to sort of the kinds of discussions you had to help solve that problem? Yeah, I mean, we, we did experiment with an Evergreen version of the course. But I think going back to an earlier point, one of the reasons that first launch of the course and even the subsequent launches within the community, the internal launches, one of the reasons that they worked well was that the audience already trusted us, already knew us, already felt like, you know, they could relate to us and our story. And also in terms, and knew that what we were offering was you know, myself and Sam work really hard to go above and beyond, even, you know, with the free stuff, we're really, sometimes we tend too much towards perfectionism, but we're trying our best to always sort of over deliver. So I think because of that, those internal launches worked well because they felt like they knew us. What didn't work for us with, or what we didn't find with the Evergreen was quite successful was that we would 
we were trying to appeal to new people. So we were, you know, advertising on Facebook, a, a lead magnet, getting them into a sequence and then trying to sell them the course. And we experimented with different kind of lengths of, of, um, of sequence before we sold to them. But it just never really, I mean, we did sell some and we've had some students go through that evergreen course who have absolutely you know, loved the courses as well, but it never made the same impact. And so it didn't, it never made the business sustainable. It never, it never meant that we could, you know, have this kind of sustainable month on month income. Yeah. And, and, and it's cool that you tried it because this is what everybody says to do, right? Oh, you have this ongoing internal launch every so often, like, let's make it evergreen. Let's make it passive. And as you'll find, sometimes it just isn't going to work out based on who your audience is and the style and, and all that stuff. So this is kind of where Sam and I started to get to know each other in this, in this timeline. And Sam, you joined the accelerator program and you came to San Diego and you got to meet some of the other students and we were throwing around a lot of ideas. And after one of the retreats, you went back home and then all of a sudden I hear that you're thinking of starting this membership community. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's great. And then fast forward, just like literally just a month or two later, here it is. I want to know what gave you the idea or what inspired you to go down this route? And then we'll definitely talk about results and how it worked out or not in a moment. But where did this idea for the membership community come from? It is a great solution, but it, it's not for everybody either. So okay, tell us a little bit about the origin of that idea. Well, during the retreat with the Accelerator group, it was mentioned that potentially a good solution could be a membership. But I think we were a little bit resistant towards this idea because we knew how much work it was to create an online course. Or certainly for us, it was, uh, you know, like the first course I think took us over a year to make. The second course that we produced, I think, again, was about an eight-month period. And I just thought to myself, oh, my God, I'm not sure we can I can cope with doing something as big on a kind of monthly basis. So uh, I think I was thinking of it in a kind of perhaps the wrong terms. But anyway, so after that, Joe and I went, met up and we did this huge planning session for, right at, at the beginning of this year. And we were all set to kind of do more launches of, the, of our two courses. You know, we'd planned to do a launch every three months. And so actually it was during that period that um, all the lockdowns came into uh, into place. And actually I'd, I'd flown to London to, to do this planning session with Joe and I'd recently moved to, to Denmark and Denmark had clo was, were closing its borders the day that I came back. And so it was, it was like, well, what's going on? You know, everybody was uncertain about about what was happening and so we were like doesn't really feel right to be doing this course launch that we'd planned it's quite a significant investment for people a lot of, uh, of people were, were kind of being furloughed or even losing their income people in our audience were in the vulnerable category so a lot of people would have been self-isolating they will have you know wouldn't have had potentially the 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 people around them that they'd normally have. So we were sort of felt um, compelled to to really do something to to help out and try and encourage people to 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 stay at home and to 
try and encourage people to you know have a creative outlet during this this period and so we decided to do a, a seven week free challenge in fact initially it was actually only a five week challenge where we got in touch with five different artists we asked mum to do the first one in fact because it was one of those things that we felt that people needed right now you know in that moment we didn't have time to to procrastinate we didn't have time to do all these the uh, to strive for perfection you know that all the usual kind of pitfalls that we we fell into and so we kind of over uh, within two weeks we had these this series of 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 kind of creative challenges we asked an, uh, an artist to come in and um and teach a challenge during the week and then at the end of the week they would do um a q a session with everyone and yeah i think it's fair to say that that challenge was those challenges were the most popular thing we'd kind of ever done and really kind of changed the game a little bit for how we were thinking about things i mean I should say that also during that five week period we were getting emails saying can you keep this going you know i don't it's been a real lifeline during this kind of difficult period this difficult period and a period of uncertainty and also people really appreciated the community aspect so we decided to extend it for another two weeks but when obviously you're giving everything away for free you know it wasn't just obviously the people in the com- in the community who've been affected we also have uh, artists in our community who were making a living as an artist they would have lost all of their uh, income from in-person workshops and um, exhibitions that they had planned so we were paying the artists as well uh, as well as our, our team or and what have you so it was a significant cost to the business to run this free challenge so you know we were like we can't actually keep this going without it kind of having serious impact on the business itself so yeah and even still even up until that kind of the fifth week we were still thinking right okay after this we'll do a course launch (laughs) but then i think it just kind of (laughs) which seems ridiculous i don't know why we weren't thinking you know let's just make this into a product because even because we were getting emails from people like don't stop this we'll pay for this you know like that's this like is they so- were literally telling you what <laughs> yeah. to do exactly <laughs> yeah how, how many people number one where was this challenge hosted and how many people took part in it joe we could we could switch to you sure yeah so so during the free challenges we hosted it fully on facebook but because because uh, there are members of our audience who, who of the community who don't want to be on facebook we also posted the videos the workshop videos um and we also made like a workbook to go along with the videos we posted that on our site jeez all for free all for free yeah so that didn't have that didn't obviously have the community aspect going alongside it but the facebook group i think eventually we had a, over 20,000 people. 20,000? I know, it's, it's absolutely bonkers. 20,000 people in that group. And, and a, a big portion of, of those people were active and were posting. I mean, when we released that first challenge, I remember like within hours of posting the video, like images popping up of the work that people had made made in response to this challenge. And it just seemed to kind of blow up overnight. I think... 
you know, it, it really was crazy. And week on week, more and more engagement, which was really exciting. And also, you know, new people who'd never heard of textileartist.org, never heard of perhaps even some of the artists, even though the artists that we engaged were well known and, and uh, very kind of prolific, they were being introduced to, to new artists and new techniques, which I think really kind of inspired them and piqued their interest. So that was, yeah, that was crazy that we had that many people taking part. How did you get people to, who didn't know about you to find it? I, you know, you obviously sent messages to your existing audience, but how, how did people find you who didn't know you? Honestly, most of it was word of mouth. I mean, I think towards the end, towards the end, when we just, when we finally saw what was staring us in the face and thought this should be, this should be, you know, a, a product, we should, we should make this into part of the business. I think eventually then we started to run some ads to try and get people to engage with the, with the free challenges. But that ah, was okay. very late in the day. Because you kind of had a sense of where it was going to go, potentially. Tell us a little bit about, Joe, we'll continue with you on this. Where was your head at this point? What, what is the product? Well, I mean, we done, as Sam said, we did this epic kind of planning session at the beginning of the year. And it's painful to change course, right? Like, I, I you know, I was, I, we were so kind of set on this kind of, we wanted to do this re-release of the, the course and we'd got this kind of plan for the year. So I think we were resisting it really up until very late in the day. And then I remember, I think Sam said to me, are we just crazy? Should, should this not be what we're doing next? And, and it was like a sort of light bulb. Of course, this should be what we're, what we're doing next. You know? So at that point, we started to plan a kind of new and improved version of the free challenges that would become a kind of a membership program and yeah, and we turned it around really quickly, which again is pretty uncomfortable for me and Sam because we do like to take our time and we do like things to be, uh, you know, polished and ready before they, before they, uh, before anyone sees them. So it was, um, it was a challenge um, and at times stressful, but so, so rewarding in terms of the reaction to Stitch Club. Yeah, Stitch Club is the name of, of the membership. Sam, how, how much was the membership when you launched it? Did a founding member offer, which is £22, uh, Great British pounds, and then uh, I think that's about $27 US. And it's per month? Yes, yeah. Per month, okay. So, I mean, when you extrapolate that, I mean, that's over $300 a year to be a part of. So it's very much along the same lines as the costs of your other products when it's broken down in that way yearly but tell me about the launch of this thing sam because i know that you and i were very much involved like as this was happening and like joe's saying it's like you kind of went very quickly with with this and you know there were some mistakes made or things that you wish you could have done differently tell me about the launch and how you got the word out there and perhaps some things that you wish you would have done differently. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all a bit of a blur. I'm going to because, <laughs> yeah, because we turned it around so quickly, and there were, and you know, I have to say that we were, you know, we're very grateful and quite fortunate to have people in our community that are really open and they're really kind of giving and they really care for one another, you know, and, that, and so you know, I think the the stitch challenge that we'd run a kind of 
taught us that it was possible. We kind of set up systems. Big shout out to Charlotte, who uh, helped us put in our, on our team, who, who helped us put together the systems in place to kind of contact the artist, to get them on board, on board and record their videos and get them ready for the Q&As at the end of the week. So the actual kind of creation of, of the, the product side, we actually, we wanted to move it from Facebook though, which was the only kind of, I think was sort of the most significant change from the free challenge to the kind of Stitch Club membership. What did you go with? Well, this, <laughs> this is probably one of the things that I wish we'd have taken our time a little bit more in choosing the software. We initially um, have set up with Tribe, so but the capabilities of some of the things are not quite where we want them to be and so i think literally a week after that i found out about circle.so and they're offering things that i think are, are really important for for what we want to do and kind of in terms of of engagement within the community they're helping the conversations that people are having around the creation that they're making. So for example, this, the, I think Circle.so are, are about to release a, an iOS uh, app and, and an Android app soon to follow afterwards. And I think that you know one of the things that we've found is that a lot of people in our audience, they like to use their iPad, they like to use their iPhone or the smartphone to, to engage with the uh, with community so i think that's kind of and it's obviously it's so painful to move from one software to another you know it's kind of it is a it's a difficult process but i think ultimately it's kind of the right decision for us i think had we slowed down a little bit we may have been able to make those sort of more been more thoughtful about that yeah i mean you did definitely take a somewhat of a ready fire aim approach with some of the things but truth is you created and and you were able to continue this thing that people were actually asking for and and i love what you said earlier about the justification of the price that's a lot of people who have memberships and businesses often forget to think about the fact that they need to charge in order to continue to serve the audience that they have and it's very much apparent that you know people even wanted to pay you for the continuation of this so to house this now in a membership community with a monthly fee or an annual fee. Joe, can you tell us how did the launch go and anything you would have done differently? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was um, I mean, it was it was the craziest few days. We 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 opened up registration for kind of 5 days and we because of the ready fire aim approach, we <laughs> did a we didn't, you know, we didn't have time to kind of overthink the launch or create a three video series or any of that stuff so we we did a kind of an email sequence an information page and a, a very short video with myself and sam and the artists that we'd already engaged to be part of stitch club talking about you know what stitch club was and that first day it was yeah it was crazy the first day and obviously the last day are always the the big days but we ended up with about 2,500 members at the end of that week. Oh my God. I know. It's it. Yeah, founding members. And, and, and at that point, although, I mean, that was amazing. And we were thrilled, obviously, that we had this, which kind of transferred this community from the free challenges into Stitch Club. And people were so 
excited and, and passionate about it. But also, <laughs> the flip side of that is that 2,500 people is a lot. And uh, there was a, a slight feeling of, you know, of pressure around that and, and maybe slightly uh, being overwhelmed. But thank goodness we do have this amazing team of people working with us. And, and actually, during that time, we, we, we kind of upped the amount of people who were working with us and and the people who were working with us started working with us more. And as Sam said, Charlotte, who's our kind of content and community manager, we just couldn't have done any of this without her. It was essential that we had that support. And she was kind of, she said to me one day, we got to kind of 10 p.m. at night. And she said, I haven't actually eaten today. <laughs> you oh, know, no. like, because she'd been sat at her computer. Like, oh, but you know, like none of us, none of us had, you know, joined that week. It really was, it was crazy. It, it was uh, stressful but exhilarating and 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 amazing and extremely rewarding and I think in terms of what we would have done differently I mean I don't think we would have taken a different I don't think personally we would have slowed down because we we were giving the community what they were asking for in that moment you know and I think if we'd have slowed down the momentum of the free challenges might have fallen off somewhat and I think People were were ready and enthusiastic to do this at, at this moment, you know. Um, but I think there are things we we could have done differently. I think possibly we might have done a smaller founding membership just to begin with, just to try things out. I mean, I have to say, you know, things have gone pretty well even beyond the launch. So that you know, it, it, there has been a lot of learning along the way, and each week we're still kind of trying to pare down our systems and make sure they're working really well so that the actual um, process of running Stitch Club becomes somewhat not automated because it always is always going to need kind of human interaction because it's a and, and, and we would never want to take that away because it's that's that's essential and, and part of the, the kind of what makes it special but but just streamlined and and working you know a bit more like clockwork and I think you know we're getting there now. That's great. Sam, what's been one of the most surprising things that you've discovered now that this community has come together? I know you've done online courses for a long time. Now that you have this community, what's what's a really cool thing that has been happening or has happened as a result of, of bringing these people together in this way? Yeah, I think something that's really cool that's happened, I mean, to, is just to kind of see the amount of amazing artwork that's being produced by the members. And um you know, to see them kind of spark ideas from each other. You know, not only are the are the students learning from each other, the workshop leaders are also kind of learning from the students. I was speaking to one of our workshop leaders, Kaz Holmes, who's like a really well-respected artist within the textile art world. You know, she teaches all over the world and she's had several best-selling published books on the subject. And she was telling me, you know, she's been learning from the students. She's, I, she's, uh, some ideas have been sparked for her for new projects. And, and I think, she, you know, she's even going to mention the, the kind of membership and the, and the free challenge in her new book as well. So, yeah, just to see this kind of thriving creative space, I think it's been a really rewarding experience for us. That's what a community is. It's not just you guys talking to your audience and your audience talking back to you. It's everybody talking to each other. That's community. It's communication. And it's really cool to see that happening already. It just in the young sort of life of the membership. And now they're going to share it. 
more people are going to come in. The cycle is going to happen. Like, well done. I, I really love that. It's almost getting to that point. If it isn't already, it's like, hey, if you're into textile art, like you have to be a part of this community. It's like every, everybody's there. So go, go go and be there. That's that's really cool. And and to finish off, Joe, you had mentioned quite a bit earlier about the fact that you've discovered also since this community has come about that the community is in fact for a different kind of person than those who would normally pick up your online courses. And can you speak to what you've learned about the customer base from membership versus course? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd always, because the courses are very in-depth and there is, as we've discovered, a big kind of transformation for a lot of the people who who take the courses in terms of especially creative confidence, but also in terms of, you know, self-care. And some of the people who start the courses begin as kind of hobbyists and end up as exhibiting artists we've had we've had those we've had those cases which has been amazing and i think stitch club is a slightly different realm in that i think it's there are there are things in stitch club for people at all stages of their creative journey but what is wonderful about it is if you've never picked up a needle and thread in your life this gives you a chance to to try different ways of making art with fabric and thread, essentially. And and at times, lots of the artists that we've had have been doing wonderful things with mixed media and and kind of sculptural work as well. But it gives you a taster of all of these different, uh, as I I was talking about at the beginning, what makes textile art exciting, which is the kind of range and the variety that it covers. And I think the there is a real kind of want for that amongst the community people really want to be able to try lots of things before then perhaps editing down to find their own voice so i think the kind of what we're working towards is that the kind of natural journey of our community member is stitch club first and then perhaps leading them eventually into uh, going more in depth with one of the with one of mum's courses I love it. And and thinking about the entire customer journey and the lifetime of that person with you is so important. And now you have more options. You don't just have the one course anymore. You have multiple entry points, multiple offerings and a complete journey. And you're adding even more to it uh, over time, which is really fantastic. First of all, just congratulations to you both. And just I'm so proud of both of you. And, and, and hello to mom for me. And <laughs> congrats to her as well. It's been really fun to sort of be in the passenger seat as you guys have been creating. And I'm so thankful that you both came on today to share the story with us and some of the components of, of what you've done. Um, I'm going to ask one final question. And the question is, I want you to think back to the time when you guys were kind of just experimenting with different kinds of business ideas and 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 remembering what it was like to be in that phase of just, I don't know if it's going to work or let's try this, let's try that. What advice would you give yourself back then now knowing what you know now? So what we probably do differently in in hindsight is um, we'd probably streamline the offer that we gave. I mean, you know, we ca- we took the format of the free challenge that we did and kind of replicated that, which was a workshop every week, then with the Q and A at the end of the week. But what we found is that I think we're like three months into, or a couple of months into the membership now, and after a while, it can actually lead to some to a little bit of fatigue you know this kind of every single week being expected to to participate in a workshop and in fact you know i feel like some people 
it almost is once they feel like they're getting behind on something it's almost um you know a reason for them to leave the the membership as well because they they feel like maybe they're not getting value from this even though the material's great they're not getting as much value from it so we decided to change the format slightly to extend the workshops to two, to every two weeks meaning that they kind of have a little bit more time for creative play a little bit more time to get involved in the in the workshop and it also means that we're actually in the second week we've added a further development video for those that kind of do want to go deeper and do want to explore more so hopefully we've we've kind of come up with a solution that's adding value to to the format but we actually signed up to Stu McLaren's uh, tribe workshop but after we we'd launched the the community and one of the first things you learn in that uh, in tribe is that the main reason people leave a, a membership is not that they don't have enough content it's that they get too much content so i think that's something that we've learned and and you know in this case definitely less would have been more you know um, and i think even probably how, were we to go back and do it again we'd probably start with just one workshop a month yeah that's that's really smart in fact we are in spi pro really working hard to make sure people don't have that sense of overwhelm and we are stacking a lot of events in our in in every month there's there's events every week happening but we're trying to really paint the picture of you know you don't have to go to all of them in fact you probably shouldn't go to the ones that make sense for you and you can see which ones are coming up that you could plan for and that's obviously very different than a lot of other communities that are like you come in here and this is the things you have you have to do, and there's so much of it. And plus, there's content and courses in some of them. It's just like I'm not making progress. I'm falling behind. I, I I'm not cut out for this. And I like how you are reframing that, and you know, setting that expectation, especially with new members. You have a little bit more flexibility uh, as well. I don't know how deep you went into. Hey guys, you're you're new here. We're new at this. Like we're going to maybe make some changes. Did what, what was that a part of the picture at all, Sam? Um, or is that something you would do differently also? Um, no, I mean, from day one, we we kind of said we're building this community together. You know, we want this to work for people who are who have given us the trust and became a become a founding member. So yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of the reason that we've sort of changed the format is is because of the feedback that we've been getting. Yeah, I guess for anyone who's listening at home who's thinking of starting a business, you know, I would say that. You don't have to have this perfect, fully formed, like crystal clear idea of what your business will become to make a start and to start building an audience about around a subject that you're passionate about. I think this year has taught us more than before that it's always a, an, an ever-evolving and ever-changing animal, really, especially with the community that we started this year. You know, we, I think that all the, the online membership, should I say, I think that's really proven that that's that, that's true, um, and I think that probably when you do start to see some interest and you you do start to find those people that that are passionate about the same things that you're passionate about, I would really pay attention to what they're saying and get to know them, try to speak to them, and you know find out what their objectives and their goals are within that niche. And really try and help them do everything in, in your power to kind of help them achieve those goals. Love it. Thank you, Sam, for that. Appreciate that. It's almost that ebook that took six to eight months to write versus, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was a great ebook. 
(laughs) (laughs) versus a membership that took, I don't know, five weeks and look at it now with thousands of people. Just congratulations to you both and wonderful. And and, and again, thank you both so much for uh, being here. Textileartist.org is the place to go. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Sam, for your time today. Thanks, Pat. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. I hope you enjoy that interview with Sam and Joe from textileartist.org. And I got to give props to my man, Sam, who was so, honestly, I'm just going to be upfront with you. He was very nervous about this. And he is a student of mine in my accelerator program and very much wanted to provide value here for you. So much so that he came to me after and said, Pat, I think I could, I could give better answers to your audience for you. I really want to help them out because this stuff changed our lives and, and my family's life and I, and, I, and I want to change the lives of those who are listening too. So big ups to Sam and of course his brother Joe, their mom, just all the inspiration. I appreciate you both so much. Textileartist.org. Check them out. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you. And this is what it's about. It's about spotlighting each other, inspiring each other. This is what this community is about. Speaking of community, if you haven't checked out SPI Pro yet, you should, because Sam and Joe are in it, as well as several other committed entrepreneurs at all levels of business. Feel free to check it out at smartpassiveincome.com slash pro, because that's our own membership community that we've talked about here on the show too. And it's growing and we're learning from Sam and Joe and they're learning from us and we're all just here to share with each other. And that's what we do there too. So smartpassiveincome.com slash pro. Thank you so much for being here. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And thanks in advance for all the amazing reviews that have been that that are gonna come in. And of course, thanks for all the ones that have. Just I'm I'm so grateful for you, your time and your attention. And I look forward to continuing to pay it forward next week for you. Cheers, take care, and as always, Team Flynn for the win. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.